Welcome to Dragon Talk! Yay! Yay! This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast where me, Greg Tito, talks to you, Shelly Mazanoble. That's exactly right. And sometimes we talk about dungeons and sometimes we talk about dragons. And sometimes we talk about the letter Anne. Or the ampersand. The ampersand. Campersand. Uh, in this episode, we are very excited. Uh, well, actually, I guess it's just me. I'm excited because I get to talk to some old friends of mine, Danielle Beckman and Timothy from Brooklyn Quarter. They just uh, uh, premiered their new episode for this uh, streaming D&D show. Uh, they're from New York. Um, and I've known them for a couple of years, and I'm excited that they now live in L.A. and are jumping even more into the production of a weekly D&D show. So should be super fun. Yeah. Great conversation. I wish you were there for it, Shelley. But, uh, I do, too, but now I get to just listen to Dragon Talk as a fan. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. Um, no. Super fun. And uh, we have a random character generator with me and Brandy coming up. But... I really want to make sure everyone is excited about Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons, which releases Yay. on October 26th, chock full of story bombs, as we said with James Wyatt last week, full of everything that you could possibly ever want to know about the different types of dragons in the D&D multiverse. The multiverse. We've got um, dragon turtles. We've got great worms. We've got moonstone dragons. We've got dragon elves. We've got... Beholder dragons. <laughs> but they're not really called beholder dragons. It's true. They're eye drakes. Eye drakes. But eye I drakes. Like, I like to call them beholder dragons. I think they look like uh, the performing artist Drake, but with an eye. Oh. Or maybe it's like the, uh, you know, it's a mashup of that and Isaac Asimov's eye robot. So it's eye Drake. Oh, I was going to go with eye Carly. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's too modern of a reference for me. Mm, yeah, never seen it myself, but I do know it exists. Oh my gosh, my kids watch it like crazy. You've never seen it? We have not. We have Ariana Grande is in it, I believe. What? Is she Carly? No. She's like uh, some uh, supporting character who talks like this the whole time. It's awful. Oh, is that right. her character that talks like that? Or Yes. Yes, okay. but also her, I think. That was right? actually, you actually sounded like one of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City when you did that. Oh, God. Oh, she talks like this. I My, love that. This is, this is our time where we, uh, you know, like to bitch about uh, reality television on Dragon Talk. We like to? <laughs> you like to celebrate it. I like to uh, complain about it. Uh, but my Aaron was watching some show about Orthodox Jews and their oh. lives in New York City. Yes, wait, this is it's like my own Orthodox life yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Like, oh, oh I heard that's actually very. I heard that that's good. Like yeah. I was even thinking, wow, that might be one that even Bart would watch with me. Oh, jeez. No. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 do you like hearing he about watches, people? He watches Big Brother with me. He watches well, Project Runway with me. Well, that's why he's a much better uh, husband than wow m- than I would ever be. <laughs> wow, is that really all it takes? <laughs> Someone who watches to reality television. A good husband. That's that's advice for all you people out there. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that we'll watch those together, but I don't really like want him to watch my other shows. Like mm. that's like a very private thing for me. Like I do not want him anywhere near my housewives. He's like 
started to get interested in Bachelor in Paradise. And even that was like, oh, I don't know. I kind of feel like this is a me thing. But (laughs) (laughs) I'll let him. I'll let him. I don't want to have to catch you up on everything that's. I know, because he kept, I think he was like, look at me. Like, I'm so invested. And he's like, who are these people? Why does everyone hate these people? And I'm like, I ain't got time for this. Pick up pause, a copy of and you're like, it's like me trying to watch, uh, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings with Aaron, and she's like, "Why?" Is oh, right. And I'm like, "Well, you know, these orcs are mad because they're different orcs than <laughs> the White Tower orcs over here." Well, but you probably very patiently explain that to her. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, well, sometimes I, I want to be in dungeon master mode, and sometimes, like you, I just want to watch it. Yeah, we're just this is just candy for me, and I don't want to like tell you how the candy gets made. Candy mm-hmm. gets made. I don't, I was always sausage gets made, but you know. I don't eat sausage, Greg. <laughs> I eat candy. Got to change up all my metaphors for my vegetarianism. <laughs> that metaphor it. doesn't work for me. Well, uh, I'm not sure how we got down this tangent, but I am still very excited for everyone to be inspired by Fizban's Treasury of Dragons. We've got Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos, coming hot on its heels, where we can talk about all of the. Troubles that happen in college, magical college life. What troubles could that be? None. It's perfect, as I've learned from all the young adult books that I'm reading. Oh, (laughs) I love the thought of that. (laughs) That you just curl up with a good YA novel. Yep, exactly. I learn about the change of life. Wait, I guess that's wait. That happens a lot later. That's the older. That's, that's what would the that, opposite of young adult. Yeah, it's <laughs> old adult fiction. There should be yes. a whole version of that where it's uh, menopausal uh, fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't. Yeah, okay. I guess that's chiclet. I guess you could say mm, maybe. Yeah. Ish. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, Strict Saving and Corrective Chaos is uh, also delayed a little bit. It is coming out on December 7th, but it is still chock full of amazing fun stuff that you can infuse your D&D game with, with a very different flavor from that which is available in Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons. So look forward to that. We'll be having much more interviews and uh, lore segments and all types of stuff uh, to get you excited about what's happening with Strict Saving coming up. Mm-hmm. But we also announced another book, uh, which is rare for us, one that's coming in March 2022, Critical Role, Call of the Nether Deep. Oh, yeah, that's a biggie. It's a biggie. It's a biggie. A very fun book. Um, And if you're a Critical Role fan, it's kind of a must-have. Not only do you get to actually play through some of the stories, locations, worlds um, that you have learned to love from watching Critical Role, but you could even just read, just Mm. read it and find so much good uh, lore and just backstory on this world. That's really, really incredible. And yeah, yeah, I think think fans are going to love it. Oh, the art that we've seen so far. So cool. (gasps) There's a... Beautiful tabaxi piece of art. A sleeping Aww. tabaxi. Oh, just curled up Meh. in her bed. Is it a Meh. yeah? It's really cute. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, what better storytellers to weave that tale than Chris Perkins working uh, alongside Matthew Mercer and James Hake uh, to create everything that's in Call of the Never Deep. Um, it is really, really cool to see those minds collaborating on stuff like this. Oh my gosh, seriously. Yeah. 
tons of information for past campaigns uh, from the Critical Role universe, uh, as well as, uh, you know, tons of information on, you know, other stuff that you should know about, let's say. Other stuff. Other stuff. We're not going to give it all away. You're going to have to wait. We do have several months before it comes out. So March 2022, uh, mark your calendars and uh, pre-order if you can. Available uh, wherever you purchase wonderful Dungeons & Dragons books. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I am inspired by that as always. And I want to make sure we are listening to our fans just the same way that uh, Dungeons & Dragons does through its uh, Unearthed Arcana surveys and other surveys coming out to learn more about what your opinions are. Uh, the way that uh, Critical Role listens to its fans. Uh, we at Dr- uh, Dragon Talk want to listen to you, our fans, as well. So we have a survey that's available now for you to take uh, that gives tons of information to us about what you like about the show, how we can improve it, things you'd like to see, ideas for future segments. Um, it would really help us out if you could uh, spend a little bit of time, 10, 15 minutes, going through the survey and letting us know what you think. Yes, turning the tables. We will listen to you now. That's you right. You do not have to listen to us. Think of this survey as us interviewing you. It's exactly. You are a guest on Dragon Talk when you fill out this survey. That's right. And we want you to be as uh, invested in this Dragon Talk campaign as we are. So let us know. This is like a, you know, a, not a session zero, but this is like a, you know, a, a session for us to reestablish what you guys dig about uh, all the show? Because we love doing it and we want to make sure the you fans out there are having a good time with it. So there's a link in the show notes. You can get that wherever you are accessing the podcast. Uh, I'll probably tweet it out a couple of times as well too just to make sure Dragon Talk fans are seeing it as much as possible. We'll be running it for a couple of weeks and I encourage you to jump in and then maybe write some reviews about Dragon Talk as well on yeah. all those platforms. Okay. All right. So I'm going to take uh, some inspiration fuel and talk to Brandy Camel on a random character generator segment before we get to our awesome interview with just me and Danielle. Welcome to another segment of Random Character Generator. I am Greg Tito, and I am excited to roll up a fun random character on D&D Beyond with Brandy Camel. Hi, Brandy. Hi, Greg. How are you? Doing good. Uh, this is the fun segment where we have that random character from a third level thing through D&D Beyond. Get the random stats, all the cho- uh, choices that a third level character makes, and we, together, create a fun storyline or background for how this character made those choices and what they might do and then you can use this character potentially in your game uh, or as an npc or just as inspiration uh so let's quit let's uh roll up this random character areas areas who we've got here all right all right feral tiefling rogue three that's a pretty tiefling. good start. interesting so they're using some of the variants within the Feral Tiefling looks like it's just the dexterity score that got a bonus, <laughs> which <laughs> uh, sadly seems to have gone to waste. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arreyas has a 14 strength, but a nine dexterity. Whew. 
for a rogue. That's not very good. But uh, what is their what is their spell? What is their class here? Because it says rogue, but they actually use a different. Yeah, yeah, uh, they're uh, they're a soul knife. Ah, they're using a soul knife from Tasha's Cauldron, mm-hmm. which gives them psionics. Yeah, which is actually pretty awesome in this case because that means they don't have to rely on dexterity. They can use strength instead. Ah, so that is fortunate for Arrayas. Yes. <laughs> uh, rounding out the stats, they've got you know pretty standard here, 12s in Constitution, Intelligence, and Charisma. Mm-hmm. They're not very wise. They have an eight wisdom, eight uh, wisdom. with a negative one there. Uh, the negative one dexterity modifier still does give them not a very good initiative score with a negative one. Yep. And their armor class sucks. Yep. <laughs> uh, but they at least are trained in dexterity uh, for mm-hmm. acrobatics. That gives them uh, just a plus one there. Deception, mm-hmm. insight, intimidation, and performance. So interesting that they do most of the... Um, uh, most of the charisma skills, really. Most of the charisma skills, right? The, the yeah. I was going to say role-playing skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting choice. Um, I mean, especially, it, I'm kind of glad that it gave us a, you know, a character who's like, yeah, you have a low dex and rogues normally do very dexy things, but we're not going to give you any of those skills because why? You have, you have low dex. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, we haven't chosen what their expertise is, so it's possible. Okay we might be able to boost up two of those skills. Gotcha, um, yep. And they, yeah, talk a little bit about the psionic power here and how that might, because you're saying that might fit really well. Yeah, so this is great because Psychic Blades is one of those skills that is flexible. Um, you can choose to make it a melee or a ranged attack. Uh, depending on which way you go, you're either using strength or you're using dex. So in this case, this, uh, and and that goes for whether you're, I, I believe it works for both, the ranged and the uh, melee attacks if you choose to be a strength-oriented psychic blade or um, soul knife, rather. Right, using the psychic blade as a soul knife. Yeah. Okay. Um, their background is a gambler. Never, Never tell, tell me, me the odds. odds. <laughs> <laughs> so this is great. Um, I, I actually kind of love that there is this non-dexterous brutish kind of burly rogue <laughs> who cannot cheat at cards. <laughs> <laughs> but probably is really good at bluffing. Oh, yeah. Especially with that, with those ranks in deception. Right. Um, and they're a, a, a tiefling. Mm-hmm. Um, because of their um, gambler oh, thing, they're able to have a uh, dragon chest, dragon chest set. set. That must be their chosen form of gambling. Then is the is the strategy of dragon chess. Yeah, I wonder if because you know gamblers are pretty um, mm-hmm. uh, open ended background. What if they're just a gamer? What if they actually just like playing chess? Yeah, they might just even, really like playing chess. Yeah, or they could be doing a uh, like a hustle type of chess, right? Where they're mm-hmm. you know trying to um, you know get people to play against them, pretending that they're not very good, but then actually just you know wipe the place with them. 
Yep. That seems absolutely reasonable. This is the kind of, this is the kind of character who doesn't so much cheat in gambling as they do just like has the straight face or, Mm. you know, can, can send mixed signals in a way that misleads. Right, right. Like a, you know, a bluffer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's it's something that happens in, in, you know, Magic the Gathering. It happens in chess to a certain extent, right? Where you try to yeah. redirect attention uh, through your demeanor. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, of course, got Hellish Rebuke uh, and Thaumaturgy as a cantrip. Yeah, both of those come from, from the tiefling background. So those are sort of innate abilities. Thaumaturgy is kind of fun as someone who's who, you know, might be like, look over there! <laughs> Yeah, right. It can be used as a distraction uh, mm-hmm. with flames flickering or tremors in the ground or uh, doors opening and shutting. I actually also really love the uh, your voice booms for up to three times as loud with a character who has Intimidate because that's just, you know, kind of cherry on the pie of when you need to make those checks. Yeah, absolutely. And then when they get really angry, the Hellish Rebuke comes down with fire mm-hmm. damage. Um. What uh, what does Arrayus look like uh, in their in their tiefling uh, appearance? Oh, that's interesting. So we'd have let's see. So we have hellish rebuke, fire. Uh, so that is you know this is probably more of the infernal kind of tiefling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm imagining kind of the uh, you know the forward facing but swept back kind of horns. Hmm. And um, you know, I'm I usually lean towards red when it comes into the to, into the infernal legacy kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I could, you know, you could maybe go with a more unusual color. You could maybe go with more of an orangish hint. Um, mm. That's not a, a color you see people pick very often for tieflings, so that could be kind of interesting. That would be interesting, like a uh, a hot sunset or something like that as a mm-hmm. as a color. Do you see Aureus as a as a male or a female character? I that's a good question too. I think um, Aureus. Maybe I'm thinking of uh, um, Queen's Gambit, uh, but I'm thinking oh. of, of Aureus as a as a femme presenting uh, character mm-hmm. who uh, uses that to go into dragon chess circles and. Oh, I love this! I love I love the Queen's Gambit take. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Right, especially as a you know as a tiefling, uh, mm-hmm. you know perhaps is uh, you know attractive because at least you know a decent charisma here. You would think that at least has uh, uh, something that um, is attractive to the eye, and then again uses all of the deception and intimidation even to uh, to beat the pants off people. Yeah, perhaps I think that's literally. fantastic. Yep. Well, and this, especially if you if you're going down the queen's gambit route too, this could be somebody who does this professionally. They've got those ranks in performance. They could yeah. really put on a show with an That's impressive true. game of dragon chess. Yeah. All right. So, what do you think, Arreus? Uh, how would how would adventurers meet Arreus and or what's their what's their their you know is this a high side hustle for them? Are they a dungeon delver and then do this sometimes, or is this? The only thing that they do is 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 try to win at oh. dragon chess. Okay, so I have an idea. Um, okay, I really like the concept of this being uh, your information broker almost. Mm. That this is someone who you know goes from tournament to tournament to kind of make connections in high places, um, and 
trade information under the guise of being this, you know, excellent, maybe professional gambler. Yeah, I like that. Um, and uses her psionic power to mess crap up when it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, are you thinking like more of like a like a boss or I, just I an informant? It, I could see it I, either way. Um, to be honest, they've got the they've got kind of the charisma chops to build to to like getting into upper leadership. But maybe this is like the the right hand. Mm. character you know this like is a major domo type of yeah oh, that'd be especially someone too. who's like a strategist within a thieves guild yeah okay definitely would have to have a urban area right you, you can't oh, necessarily yeah. run this type of organization without it being a lot of people around right yeah i think that this is a this is a character who would fit really well in a, in a very heavily like large city urban style campaign yeah all right um, what do they, what's their demeanor? How do they act? What do they look like? How do they, uh, purport themselves? Um, I would imagine as a dragon chess player, and I, this is just me imagining chess players in general, is that they're probably the kind of person that's really hard to read. Um, mm. this is somebody who keeps their secrets very close to their hearts, is probably very to the point when they want something. Um, very direct. Like, there's, there's no... If there's beating around the bush, it's because they've thought six steps ahead of you, right? Like they're trying to trap you into whatever that situation is. I love that. Yeah. Um, that kind of quiet, calm confidence that makes you second guess your moves, even if it seems like it's the best move. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true not just of uh, when you're playing the game with her. It's when you're uh, trying to get the upper edge in whatever negotiation you're doing with her. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I love, there was this movie called Fresh uh, mm. that I saw when I was a kid and it was about a young uh, uh, a kid in the city playing chess and learning how to play chess from his dad who was a chess master. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was estranged. Like the only time that he was able to talk to his dad was when they met in the park playing chess together. And what he learns in chess, he ends up doing in his life uh, to beat out the hardship that he's happening. Um, but it's all done through the metaphors of what he learns from his dad while playing chess. And I feel like that's what this character, you know, uh, uh, kind of went through, right? Was yeah. like everything has kind of gone, gone through the metaphor of this game for them and then they use it to their advantage. So even in their modes of speech or their, their how they can make comparisons or something, like that's all about like, oh, how the pawn can take you on in move, three moves or as you said, six moves ahead. Well, and I think like if you were if you were going to use this character, for example, as like an antagonist uh, mm-hmm. in in your campaign, um, that can equally be their downfall, right? Is because they they constantly put the framework of the of their thinking through this one lens. Right. So the moment you deviate from that um, from that strategy, from from a realm in which that stuff makes sense, maybe that's how you're able to kind of like crack the code of of working against this person. Oh, that's so cool. Right. And it would be a great antagonist or, you know, starting mm-hmm. off as an ally perhaps and then becomes an antagonist over time when you realize just what uh, their plan was and how you can thwart it with your plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's super fun. All right. So um, we didn't really talk about their family other than than that. So what, what do you think uh, Arias's 
upbringing was like? Well, it depends on which story we're really like leaning into. I know we mentioned a couple of different inspirations that we were tapping into. And I know with Queen's Gambit, like it's very much like an adoption sort of style. But I I almost feel like I, I really liked um, the inspiration you brought from Fresh uh, mm. of them having, you know, maybe the big crime boss syndicate person, the person who's at the top of whatever this clan is, is their yeah. father. And that's where they've learned all of these tactics and strategies from. And that's why it's held so close. So maybe maybe this is like a mafia-style thing. Oh, I like that, too. Um, I wonder if, right, we talked about uh, Reyes being a, a major domo. And I mean, it's like she, <laughs> she's the right-hand woman for her dad in yeah. this urban organization. Mm-hmm. She's she's going to uh, inherit the business. That's what's going right? to happen, right? Yeah, I love that a lot. Uh, okay, cool. All right. Well, so uh, let's 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 do our our summary here. So, Arias was um, raised in a in a, in a city. Uh, their father was a, a tiefling, I guess would have to be, or at least uh, had had that lineage. Uh, or did it come from uh, the the mother? Do you think? Oh, or maybe gosh. both of them. Could it could be a bit of could be a bit of both though. I do really like the idea of of the head of a mafia just like making a contract with the devil to <laughs> right like that 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 makes that makes sense. I, I I don't know why I'm having like Paul Sorvino in my head right now as this mafia head <laughs> <laughs> and Arias' father. Um, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So that's that, that's what I'm thinking is uh, 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 Reyes' father uh, brought her into the business early on. Uh, she learned a lot about uh, her roguish um, skills from growing up in a criminal organization. She also had a fascination with playing chess that uh, her father encouraged uh, and and used to teach her the ways of um, getting ahead in the the, the criminal underworld. Um, they developed this psionic power mm-hmm. uh, through practice uh and or you kind of think of it as an inherent uh thing with them yeah it could be i maybe that's part of the reason that you know this this father sought out this contract in the first place they wanted to make sure uh their their daughter or maybe that's what themselves. the that's one of the payoffs of the contract was could was be. to yeah. was to have these abilities uh they wanted an her. heir they wanted an heir that could be safe and protected and powerful oh my gosh i love that okay mm-hmm. And so uh, she's been long tapped to be the heir to this criminal organization. She loves uh, chess. She uses that to her advantage to win money whenever she can, uh, hustling those who don't know who she is uh, or or underestimate her abilities at chess um, and also uses uh, uh, dragon chess as a metaphor for um, most of her interactions as well as how she goes about uh, getting ahead uh, in this criminal underworld. Um, what do they look like? Uh, I think other we decided than, like their, kind their of this orange skin and the orange skin, is, the sweat back horns. Um, I'm imagining like well-tailored suit. Mm. Uh, this is someone who presents well. Um, probably is, you know, it's, you always know when you see somebody that's in like the perfectly tailored suit who you're like, are they just well off or <laughs> is there something else going on? Or maybe this is just because I'm from Chicago. One of the two things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think there's a bit of both in there. So I see, I love that too. Like having some kind of really uh, meticulous style um, and probably a little bit more masculine presenting maybe uh, or not. I don't know. What do you think? Like when you said suit, I thought of, um, I'm giving a lot of cultural references in this random character <laughs> generator, uh, but I'm thinking of the Eurythmics and Annie Lennox and how she looked uh, in those in those older videos. Yeah, I mean, I could see I could see it either being uh, a suit that is tailored for um, for a man or for a more like um, androgynous body type. Yeah, that that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you might meet this character. In the city, uh, contending against them. Maybe they're an informant. Maybe they provide information for you and it's just a wonderful color. Mm-hmm. Um, but you might learn over time that they are six moves ahead of you and you've been played uh, this entire <laughs> time. Uh, this this would be a really fun character for uh, for a DM to drop in a, in a campaign. Uh, and, Absolutely. And build some long-term plans around. Yeah. All right. I don't want to put you on the spot one more time, but I'm going to... <laughs> What do you think uh, they sound like? What do you think their their demeanor would be when you are approaching them for information? Oh gosh, uh, let's see. I think I went. I very much went into the very direct. Is there something that you need? How can I help you? And if I can't help you, can you please leave? Hmm. <laughs> All right, I'm intimidated. You rolled. <laughs> you rolled high right there. I love it. <laughs> Great. Well, I hope you never meet Arias uh, in a dark alley, because uh, <laughs> if you do, she will mess you up. Uh, but maybe she's an ally. I don't know. We'll see. All right. I love it. I love Arias. Uh, you can check her out uh, through D&D Beyond. Uh, the link to this character will be in the show notes. And I'd love to hear from you guys if you end up using some of these characters in your campaign, or even if you're just inspired by what we come up here. Uh, with here on uh, Random Character Generator. Yeah, let us know for sure. Thanks, Brandy. This has been a lot of fun, as always. As always, Greg. Thanks for having me. I want Arias to kick my butt. It's always so fun to roll up a character with Brandy and have our creative muscles exercised and then put out there for you. Yes. You guys do a really fun little segment there. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, Hopefully it's one of yours too when you take that survey. Oh, I guess we'll find out. (laughs) I'm going to take the survey and I'm going to rate it very high. Oh, well, that's nice, Shelly. Thank you. Yeah. I won't skew the results at all. Well, then listen to this interview, too, and let me know what you think about it uh, as well, because unfortunately you weren't available to be here for it. I will base my entire perception of Dragon Talk on this one episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's give it a listen to it now. Let's welcome Timothy Reese and Daniel Beckman to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! And the crowd goes wild. So exciting. Thanks for having us, Greg. Yay! I have to do double duty on on the uh, uh, studio audience now that Shelley's not here, sadly. Um, but I am very excited to speak to you two. We have known each other for many, many years uh, at this point, right? I feel like it's four years now. Yeah, it's yeah. been it's been a while, and we've been bi coastal friends too. Which is it's true. It's true. Yeah. I would only be able to meet up and hang out with you guys when I was coming into New York. 
and I guess I can talk about this a little bit more freely. I was uh, there was a point where I was trying to recruit a whole bunch of fun folks from the New York area to mm. do D and D shows. Uh, you guys were already doing it. You were doing awesome stuff with the Brooklyn Quarter, uh, uh, which I think it debuted when we had talked, right? It had, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. it was a baby. It was a baby. Yeah, it was, show. A, it was a wee baby show. Yeah, it was, yeah you were very, very <laughs> tiny. Around like episode eight or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and it was. You're right. It was 2018 because I was trying to get together an event that would have yes. been uh, what we now know as the Stream of Many Eyes, which was still based in LA. But I was really, really gunning for it to be in New York City because Waterdeep was the uh, has been described as the New York City uh, cosmopolitan metropolitan city oh. of the Forgotten Realms. And I was like, right. oh, let's do it in Brooklyn. It'll be my own stomping grounds. Uh, and uh, we ended up having a dinner at a wonderful place uh, and, and oh, having yeah. a really great uh, uh, time. I think my brother even came. And- <laughs> Mario. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we follow him on Twitter. We He's, chat yeah. with him all the time. <laughs> he, it's, it's always fun whenever I get into a random conversation with Mario on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It happens. That's awesome. And then we got to um, hang out with you at Mox in Seattle. And that was awesome too. But I think it all comes back to Chapman, Greg. Remember? (laughs) Remember the Chapman connection? It's all, it's Ivan Van Norman and Annalie Holganza and even Shane Salk you guys had on um, Dragon Talk from Carcerum, all Chapman. That is amazing. What a wonderful uh, crucible that college was for so many TTRPG professionals. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's not a major, but maybe there should be. I don't know. <laughs> probably well, will when be you become pro- Professor Emeritus uh, there, you can start that program up. Exactly. I mean, I am speaking on a panel there next month, so Ooh. maybe that's like my in. Exactly. You know? I mean, we were all theater majors, so in a way, it's the same. You know? Yeah. The TTRPG well, I mean, we, major. Yeah. We so, mentioned it would be lot, fun like, to wizards should donate a library and just call it candle keep oh. and see how many people <laughs> catch yes. on. That'd be yeah. great. You know, people would flock there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They really, anyway, I, it's one of the, it's like film school in the sixties. It's like, uh, you know, the game design programs that kind of blew up in the late nineties and two thousands. Right. Like, I feel like you're, you're, you're not sure. wrong. There are going to be, um, you know, I mean, how many times have you met kids who are like, I want to be a YouTube star too? So there is this idea of of, yes. of being a video professional uh, that is streaming and or uh, entertaining on a more uh, egalitarian way than just like on broadcast TV, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and also I think, I think, gosh, let's just plug Chapman more. No, but I was <laughs> going to say the Duffer brothers went there who right? created Stranger Things. So. It's like they have a broadcast journalism school, they have an amazing theater school, and then they have like serious filmmakers coming out of there. So, yeah, and and they played, uh, you know, Match of the Gathering. Uh, yeah. You know, so like there was already the the gaming bent uh, at Chapman for uh, sure a long time ago. Um, but let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, your show. Uh, so uh, you guys, uh, like we said, we were just started doing it in 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just always loved the, you know, Bro- Brooklyn Quarter is a great, uh, you know, handle. Uh, and it's so fun. Uh, but, you know, Tim, Timothy, you were the uh, the dungeon master for that, right? That's right. For 100 and I think all up for the one main show is about 112 episodes. Nice. And then... That was for a show called Carol Guardians, which was based in Carol Gardens, Brooklyn. 
And then we also had a, a little one-off stint when we were in the middle of moving locations because we lost our first location. And then we got the studio mm. that you actually played at uh, yeah. that time you came in when we were with the, um, uh, we played with uh, Lauren Blanco. At, yes. From uh, 20 Sided Store. store. Yeah. And so that studio was where we did the the real bulk of our episodes for almost three years. And then Danielle had a show. You want to talk yeah, about it? Maven Brave was my show. That was all female identifying cast, all actresses. I was the DM of that. A little shorter stint. Um, I think I like to run in my lane of being a player character. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to leave the dungeon mastering up to Timothy. So I never really get to play. I've only played. Uh, yeah, he- I've only played twice. Well, one of the times we played with Stefan Picorni yeah. at uh, an event in New York. It was at a, the arts high school. He was doing a special in a basement. And yeah, it was it was really, really fun. Yeah. But Timothy's character died after one round. Yeah, one round. Right? He was so apologetic. He didn't he mean to like, kill me. I'm sorry. He's brutal. <laughs> it's like, get up there. I'm so excited. You know, I've got this. I actually, I drew up. We were playing in second edition. Portrait. I drew a portrait in wow. the little portrait slot on the character sheet. Yeah. And then he just rolled like a natural 20. And then he has this giant dice, which he uses to meet out like doom. And it just happened to roll super high. And he's like, I'm so sorry. You're yeah. So you're, you're <laughs> always a game master, never a player, never a player. So. Right. After but. that session, you're just like, man, I guess I'm cursed. Uh, yeah. never, the dice but will never so, be in your favor. I'll get my revenge, Stefan. Yeah. I'll get yeah. my revenge. But so we, even though, um, so we moved in 2020 from, from New York city to LA, uh, but we've kept Brooklyn Quarter as our production company name. Sorry, Los Angelinos, we're keeping it. <laughs> yeah. And um, we realized in our bio, we didn't even say Brooklyn, New York. We just said Brooklyn. Like, you better know it's Brooklyn. <laughs> There's only one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and since then, since we moved to Los Angeles, um, we've been dreaming up our new show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the original show, we really started out, I mean, it's how most people play D&D. It's the majority of it, which is you have a bunch of friends sitting around a table. Mm-hmm. And in the context that we had, we were looking for a thing back in 2017. We had never played D&D. So we were looking for a thing that would allow friends to sort of gather week to week or every mm-hmm. two weeks to something you could have as consistent. And board games seemed really uh, easy. And because you could eat and you could talk and you can just play something together. And we went into the local, the local haunt. This is probably like the 40th time it's been mentioned on Dragon Talk, but there's this board game store in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn called the Brooklyn Strategist. Yeah. And it's, it's this tiny little shop that is full of incredibly knowledgeable staff. When you said Brooklyn Strategist, I smelled it. Yeah. I was like rocked back there. Yeah. You know? It has this, it has this like aroma and they. Snickerdoodle. They're, they're just really wonderful people. Yeah. And we, that's where I went. I asked the, the guy running the shop. I was like, Hey, I'm looking for a board game that we can play week to week. And he was like, have you, have you heard of Dungeons and Dragons? And we were like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And we started, yeah. we started playing it. And first time we ever played a bunch of newbies, no one had any idea what we were doing. We're playing fifth edition right out of the starter set. Mm-hmm. And it was the most I've ever like laughed sitting down. Yeah. I feel like so many people, Yeah, like it, it so many people relate yeah. to that. And, yeah. I was, and it was a thing where like, it didn't matter if we actually knew what we were doing. It really didn't matter at all. And it was one of those things where like I have I have like 15 years in in production and working in like live streaming and what and like video studios things like that and I 
I immediately was like, oh, I want to, I want to like broadcast this in some way. Like this is, this is, this is amazing. Right. And then so began the, you know, three and a half coming up on four year journey of the madness of having a tabletop web series. Yeah. But so, so (laughs) are we allowed to talk? Oh yeah. We can say, we can say the new show, the new name. Yeah. So yeah, you guys no. been in, like, so just recap a little bit. You guys are now in LA mm-hmm. in, in you know for about a year now, uh, mm-hmm. and I've seen you guys posting uh, things on social media trying to cast and or collect yeah. the amount of people together for a project. Is this the project that you're talking about? This is the project. This is the project. This is the project. This is it. And right. it's it's um it's interesting because we were based more in I would say friendships. Mm-hmm like friends who were actors growing out of that in our, in our New York show yeah. in the Carol guardians. And when we moved here, we had a couple slight tweaks that we wanted to make specifically with production, which I'll let you talk about Timothy, but we knew we were like, we want serious actors. And when I say serious, I mean, funny too. Yeah. <laughs> so funny committed. and serious. You get what I mean? Way. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Committed. And um, yeah, and we actually found our cast and they are coming over tonight, tonight. for burritos. What? That's right. <laughs> what an LA thing to I, do. And also what a day that what we get day. to hang out with you, Greg. And then we're like, we get to go be with them and we're going to do some like world building. And yeah, so we have um, Victoria Ronnie. Um, she is an actress and she likes to call herself a quippy storyteller. Um, and then we have Bill Crow. Um, he's the youngest of our cast and Bill is a character and voiceover actor. Um, mm-hmm. we have an improv actor named Mark David Christensen. And he always says he's a character actor that is never short of energy. And whoever's oh. listening, I'll let you, I'll let you look him up to find out why he says that. Oh, he's, he's amazing. And <laughs> then, um, and then there's, there's me. And then, uh, Timothy is, is, um, dungeon mastering. So we're really, we're really thrilled to have them all. That's fantastic. Um, so there's four cast we... members and the DM. Yeah. yeah. And what's it called? So, yeah. So it's funny. We're telling, I get to tell you, Greg, <laughs> I haven't told anybody, but I get to tell you before we even tell the whole cast. <laughs> oh my God. So we haven't yeah. even told the cast. We haven't yet. even told the cast yet. Yeah. Cause well, I'm going to go post it me. on social media immediately. Okay. Yeah. Are we going to yeah. do it? Are we gonna so do it? the name of the show <laughs> is going to be novel chronicles. Novel chronicles. Yeah. And I like that. It's, because it's, gonna, it's new and it's novel. And it's a chronicle. And nice. the idea with it was like, this was one of those things where I, I wanted to, when, whenever we started off playing almost after like the third session, I decided I wanted to totally um, write a new world, like just so that we could live in. That was one something that I wouldn't necessarily have to learn, but something that I could uh, kind of speak out of from something that came out of my brain. Yeah. And as a result of that, uh, it, it got a little out of hand with the writing. I mean, I, I ended up tallying. I wrote like 400 pages of a world Bible. Wow. Wasn't it all in this Google was, Docs? It was all in. I actually broke Google Docs. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't scroll anymore. I didn't know you could do that. It just, it like you can't. I don't know if someone knows how to optimize Google Docs for like a text document. But the second you go above like 250 pages, it just every it browser yeah. just doesn't like it. it. Yeah, I know. I have that same problem. Not with a 400-page uh, building building document, but a similar, you know, a project that I've been working on with Mario, yeah. uh, actually, my oh, brother great. Mario. Oh, my gosh. For, uh, since, like, 2008. And every time, once in a while, we go back to these notes that we started taking all the way back then and scroll, yeah. and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even do this. Like, we need to You're like, is yeah. this going to load? Did I lose everything? You got to switch to Word. Yeah. 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 
So you have yeah. this 400 page document. This was for Carol Guardians, right? And so, yeah, so this for is, this new for, project. It's the same world and it's going oh, to take good. place. Um, it, one of the things that we, the way that we're kind of looking at Carol Guardians, Maven Brave is that it's really, it was us having a great time with friends, creating a, a thing that we were really proud of. But we we realized that it's hard for someone new to the channel to kind of come into 130, 140 episodes with a totally yeah. different cast. Yeah. So for this one, we're we're basically starting it as a new show, same world, set six months after the last show ended. And watching our old episodes is not necessary to catch up on the new show. And so um, we're we're using it really as a springboard to take all the things we learned from doing these shows ourselves, which I had no idea when we started making these things, how terribly complex a tabletop show is. Yeah. It's not like openly talked about, you know, you have people that are like, Oh, I want to do like a live stream, a a show for a thing. And it's like, Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Good luck. I'm going to walk this. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything breaks at scale. Right. And for this one, yeah. For novel chronicles, we're, we're changing the format with, it's not going to be the sort of four panel. Mm. Um, that you have uh, typically with a lot of shows, a lot of good shows. And instead it's going to be um, cut. So it's going to actually be cut from camera to camera. Nice. We're going to record it all. Um, we're going to basically record it all at length. So we'll probably play for three and a half hours. And then we're just going to cut down any gaps that happen of people looking up rules and really make something that's very, very streamlined. So that when you watch it, yeah. you don't have to know anything about how the show sort of works at a technical level to just get right. a really good story. That's fantastic. Yeah, we're, Thank you. Thanks. We're yeah. trying to be really, and we have a director producer for yeah. the first oh, time. Which is different than have, Timothy. Yes. <laughs> it's not just me running two stream decks, seven cameras, eight microphones, <laughs> and uh, the storytelling, and, and the storytelling, and the music, and the hundred or so <laughs> scenes in OBS that we were running. And like, oh my gosh. And the yeah. tap dancing numbers that you put into every yeah. session for like, and no the reason, puppets. Really. Yeah. The, and the don't puppets. forget the puppets. And the 3D terrain, because we 3D print, <laughs> we 3D 3D print, print all the terrain, and it's just like, yeah, but get let's get back to the puppets though. Oh yeah, the puppets. Because, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually a little bit of a spoiler. There is going to be a puppet. There on is the going to be a puppet. <laughs> uh, so it's being it's being worked on right now. Just I can't wait. That for is that, a spoiler. But the three D yeah. terrain was one of my favorite parts of playing uh, with you guys. Uh, oh was, great! Yeah, you know, the, I mean the wispy mist that you did with cotton seems that like a very simple so cool. thing, but it looked amazing and felt very uh, immersive. We have a great photo of you actually from that night. Oh that my we, gosh. We printed yeah. it out and put it on the wall because it's you making this like crazy face pointing at the uh <laughs> at the giants. And, and now it's just on the front of our refrigerator with a big heart. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like that's our fridge. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh that's you can uh, tell you can tell you guys don't have kids then. <laughs> no. No, yeah, yeah. no. I'm no, your baby. I will be there. Yeah. <laughs> You're a D and D baby. Yeah. No, but it's true. I, I have to say sorry to brag on you. That's you okay. know, but I have to say that like the, you know, the really the ingenuity that Timothy brings to this, the terrain, I think is really, um, I think it's really special and interesting. And I'm excited that in Novel Chronicles, we're going, we're going to really get to highlight that more because yeah. our yeah. cameras are going to get that more instead of, um, you know, oh God, is our GoPro working? I don't know. It's offline. Oh, well, you're going to miss all the amazing um, things we've created. So yeah, yeah, we're, we're really, really excited. And I think too, a big thing with Novel Chronicles is that in, you know, instead of the whole idea of being like, I'm an elf ranger who's really charismatic, which 
okay, those are true things about your character. I think the heart of what we want to get to is, okay, what, like, what's their biggest fear? Mm. Like, what do they want in life? Like, why are they traveling with a group? Why aren't they alone? Yeah. What's And so connecting to those story points to the audience instead of, of highlighting like, well, I have really high dexterity and high perception, you know, and, and those things have to obviously exist at the same time. And it's fine it's, in a regular game. Like, oh gosh. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the thing. But for the show, when it's the show, it's different. What we're highlighting. Yeah. We're really going to be focusing on those story elements for the audience more so than the mechanics, but we, I still get to use my really pretty new dice box. Like we're still rolling, <laughs> yeah. you know, but um, still in fifth edition. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Timothy and I got married last year. Congratulations. And thank you very thank much. Thank you. I think you knew that. Yeah. yeah. I knew that. <laughs> I knew, yeah. I, you knew. <laughs> um, but my, my bridesmaids got me metal. Um, was it skull splitter dice? No, uh, they're diehard dice. Diehard metal white bridal dice oh, for the wedding. Like, amazing. and I was like, you guys. How did you know? How did you know? You rolled a 20. I really did. I rolled a natural Really? (laughs) Well, and maybe the groom, I guess, too. I'm not sure, but I mean, I don't know. (laughs) No, but we did everything. You can roll with advantage on that one. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're we're really excited. And and Brooklyn Quarter has really grown even during the pandemic, which is fascinating. Yeah. We found that it was like one of the things we did was we wanted to reach out to our fans because we had people that, you know, they, the show's not running. Obviously, we can't be in the same room. And it wasn't really compatible for us to work in Zoom just with mm. the setups that we had and the, the, what people were used to because we've we've only ever done in person. And so one of the things we started doing is we just went back and started like rebuilding our Discord server, inviting people to just play games with us. So we've been running in Valheim. We've yeah, been yeah. running in... Um, we ran a couple of things of Terraria. We ran, we're just basically just, we did, um, what is it? We did um, State of Decay 2 for a while um, last last summer in the heat of the pandemic in New York City. So it was Yeah, really just like, trying to like keep the community alive. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You Those know. are all uh, uh, fun games to get into for, for, for moments. And then you get like, oh yeah, we can have a little bit of uh, a back yeah. and forth with folks. Kind of like what you, the whole reason why you guys started in the first place was to get together with friends and have yeah. that, exactly. uh, uh, you know, continuing into the, the community built around Brooklyn quarters, really, really uh, a smart idea as you're building this new thing. Um, yeah. but one thing I want to go back to, cause I think there might be a lot of people listening to this who want to take that leap, right. To, to be like, Hey, I love doing, you know, my, my game sessions with my friends, I think, you know, mm-hmm. I've got something really interesting to show. And and how do I start, uh, you know, A, having the technical prowess to do all the things that you guys are talking about, but also, you know, uh, I mean, even just what you guys are doing tonight, like doing your session zero, kind of doing world building, uh, eating burritos together. Like what's, yeah. what are some, uh, I don't want to say tips and tricks, but, you know, tips and tricks on how to yeah. uh, uh, assemble a crew and 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 get together and and, and start producing episodes. Yeah. yeah. I'll I'll say one thing okay, that just yeah. came to mind was I think that sometimes people underestimate who they already know or mm. are, who's already in their corner or um in their circle. And so I and and I would say in that 
talk about it. Talk about what that you know that you want to be doing it. Talk about your thoughts with it, even if you have no idea what you're doing, but you have a passion for it. And tell the people around you because if you keep it in this little bubble, no one's going to know about it. It's true. <laughs> that goes for a lot of creative things. And as artists in general, you know, we're both filmmakers. I'm an actress, you know, and and so if we keep it in our, in our mind, no one's going to know about it. So I think that's just like tip yeah. number one. Well, that's something the cat that's out of certainly the shifted over the last, you know, even just five years, right? Where, where mm. professionals uh, are more free to say that they like to play Dungeons and Dragons and, yeah. uh, and get that, that feedback and, and, you know, have a little bit of camaraderie, but then also, yeah, you you know who you can tap for, for future projects like that. Oh, certainly. And also though, too, when I, when, like, when I say your circle, I also mean, if you know, you have a show you want to produce and say, you need a certain amount of money a week to feed, feed your friends or, (laughs) you know, pay for those new microphones. Maybe your aunt Jan will give you some money for it. If you tell her about it, you know, like you might, you might have people coming out of the woodwork to support Mm. you or maybe be Patreon subscribers or whatever, but you won't know until you talk about it. Can I get the email address for aunt Jan, please? I would like to ask her. Um, uh, It's a U N T J A N (laughs) at (laughs) hotmail.cc.edu. It's very old. I'm really glad you changed it at the end because someone was going to email that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's an aunt Jan in hotmail. There probably is an aunt Jan at at Gmail who's like, curse you. I did not say Gmail though. (laughs) She's a hotmail kind of lady. Oh man. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, but there's also a lot of people who are, uh, you know, not in the theater professional world or, you know, performing or, or studio, right? So, uh, uh, you know, Timothy, I mean, are there any, like, you know, uh, things that people can do to get started uh, without the 15 years of experience that you have? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. part of it is that, like, well, I actually, so I made an entire, I've just started making a YouTube series about this that's oh. called Making the Show. And it's actually about the journey of making a world-class tabletop web series. And it's what I'm, it's what I'm currently putting on the, our YouTube channel as a way of bridging the gap between us being like, Hey, we're making stuff now. And also I don't have anything to show you. (laughs) And so I decided rather than suffer alone in the process of making the show, essentially all the steps that go into making a tabletop web series and the, and the, the vast amount of complications that if you try to do it, like we're doing it, there are much simpler ways to do it <laughs> that I, I, I realized I was like, you know, I have people ask me, they'll say things like, Oh, it can't be that hard. I mean, it's just a bunch of people sitting around a table and it's like, well, <laughs> no, it just means things. It means things. Everything has to be smaller, <laughs> you know? And so I, I would suggest like, you know, check out that YouTube series because it develops because I've done everything so far from um, how to batch paint minis. Like that was a problem we discovered. Like mm. you have eight, I had 850 mini? miniatures yeah, I needed to paint. And I don't, I'm kind of colorblind. So I don't really do fine detail painting because it ends up sometimes looking a little Picasso. And <laughs> so it was a thing like I decided to do the Zenithal method with a the really pretty like light source style painting and I had to airbrush 850 of them. And so that was a whole thing. And then wow. like how do you, like sound treatment or um, how, what do you do with storing the files? And yeah, so I, that's actually all in the show. That's all in the show. Yeah. But I, I would say that if you're starting out and you're wanting to do something like this, is that just look at what you have and in, don't compare yourself to someone else. Because mm. 
I think a lot of people, whenever they have an idea, it's really easy to induce your own gatekeepers and to yeah. think that you got to hit a certain level before anyone will take you seriously. And you got to do, you got to buy a certain amount of gear that's the same as somebody else, or your size of your space has to be a soundstage, or you've got to get, mm-hmm. you know, thousand dollar microphones, or you're, you got to have 30 cameras because you've seen an example of 30 cameras being used or some kind of crazy number. Yeah. And it really is just going, listen, like you want to, you want to do the best you can. And you just want to make sure that anything you do doesn't get in the way of what you're trying to show. And so if it's a sort of thing where you go like, well, I wanted to have this feature, I wanted to have 3D printed terrain, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to, I haven't bought a printer before and all these things be like, listen, just forget about the 3D terrain for now. Just like put it out of the back of your mind. You don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. Just lower the barrier to entry for yourself so that you're doing a professional thing as best you can. And because I I heard someone say one time that, um, that excellence is really not perfection. It's just that most people don't notice um, the 10% that goes wrong with most things, but they do notice when it's 15% wrong. Ooh. And so it's a matter oh. of going like, okay, I don't have to be perfect. I only yeah, got to no, get no, 90% of the way there. Right. Just don't induce things that cause you to, to screw up a bunch. Yeah. I love, I really love that. And I think, and one thing that just came to me while you were talking was another idea, just, just, if you're starting out in your story mm-hmm. is for everyone to serve the story. Mm. Yeah. That's it. Just serve. I mean, it, like in a movie, you know, Meryl Streep doesn't come in trying to be every character. She plays her one role and she serves the movie in that way. Gloriously. I might add, mm. but like, you know, like that's, that's a big one. And so, you know, really, really play, play your part. Yeah. Um, and serve the story so that everyone can tell this this story, whatever it is, together. Yeah. I like I like so many of the things you said, uh, uh, both of you, in that because there is this thing with you know, especially even creative folks, where the, uh, the phrase I think you said, Timothy, was internal gatekeeping, mm. uh, and I feel like that just shook me to my core. Where I where I was like, oh fuck, I've been doing that for myself <laughs> for all my projects that I've got going mm. on. Where I'm like. You know, you you do. You want to. It's not even necessarily comparing. It's just seeing everyone else uh, achieving, and you you try or you do a little bit, and you're like, well, I'm only you know one percent of their you know three hundred score, right? And you're like, well, yeah. I'm never going to get to that. And that's not the point. The point is mm-hmm. to continue to add to it and add to it and add to it. And you know, we see that in uh, you know in authors talking about finishing their work and you know blah blah blah, yeah. and like they don't really enjoy the process of writing, but they enjoy having <laughs> written. Uh, and sure. I'm like, yes, I am firmly in that camp. And I think a lot of people <laughs> would think about that, uh, about creating their own web series, uh, a tabletop mm-hmm. web series where they're like, you know, uh, uh, it's something that Dan Dillon said when we had him on Insight Check recently that's been rattling in my brain too, where perfection is the enemy of done. And yeah. it is very true. You just need to get stuff out there and iterate and get better, just like you guys did when you started in your baby show in 2017, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you've gotten better over the last four years and leveled up and, and you know, you've, that, yeah. that D&D yeah. metaphor is going to continue. Uh, and <laughs> oh, the got mistakes we've made. It. I mean, Greg, oh, the mistakes we made. I tried to, <laughs> I had this, I had it convinced in my mind that I needed to build, build an overhead grid. Oh but, my God. But I couldn't, I, so I was in an apartment around a kitchen table in Brooklyn. So you can pretty much fix this in your mind what this apartment looks like. <laughs> and 
I needed to have an overhead grid for some reason to hide the microphones. Like that was in like my he head. Created it in it his was a narrative, and I was like, it. "It has to be professional looking. They can't possibly know that there's a microphone that'll dispel the myth of a bunch of people sitting around a table playing a game." Like, yeah. and like, so I built an entire overhead grid out of PVC pipes. It <laughs> was so flimsy. It was so bad. We Greg. felt like anything was going to hit us. Yeah, <laughs> it took our first episode. I took the, oh, yeah. I, I, at the first took episode, the I off. took the day off in order to set up the kitchen wow. for it. And it took me and two other highly capable individuals on the show, seven hours each. Seven hours. To rig this room. We're like, right. oh, we'll so definitely. For, I mean, I feel like I, I need to make sure because uh, grid is a term in D&D, right? And so it's not oh, a. Oh, yeah. Not it's a. Not a, it's a one truss. square One in square grid. It's the grid is the thing that they're usually hard fixed metal pipes that yeah. you hang lights and other equipment on in theater <laughs> or in uh, uh, a, a TV studio uh, so that you can change it and move it around and, and create different looks for that. And so you created that out of PVC pipe? Yeah, and, if, do, and don't do that. Like anybody listening to this, <laughs> don't. it is a terrible idea. First of all, first of all, it really adds up in cost. And secondly, it broke. It, <laughs> the very so first immediately and and then at that point i'm like i'm just hoping it doesn't crash in the first episode it was a disaster we have footage we'll send yeah you, we have footage of like almost like the whole we'll thing coming down and, yeah. and Wait, how did you affix it to the ceiling or the walls it was freestanding i used really big pvc pipes to stand was it up oh man oh, no. no i didn't even have it was bad yeah and that, but that's like <laughs> but the thing is is that i arrived there i arrived there as a By highly like I like I, I'm actually a very experienced production person, which is like really kind of embarrassing to say. But like I didn't arrive there as a novice. I just had it fixed in my mind that that's what I yep. had to do. Yep. And it was so wrong. It was just it was a broken mindset. And the compare and despair thing too oh, is gosh. so interesting because yeah. it's so arbitrary. It's yeah. it's not real. It's like you said, Greg, in that thing where you said oh, you know, they're 300 times ahead of me in this place. It's like, no, where'd that number come from? That's not true, actually, yeah. at all. And what so. I've learned by talking to, uh, you know, people like Matt Mercer and Bob Salvatore and all these people who you think are at the top of their game, they're just doing it too. Like, they're just trying yeah. to make it and and, and continue to, to uh, create what they think is good work. And that's yeah. all it is. It's like, let's just continue to keep uh, uh, iterating and make things good. Uh, knowing full well that the first few you know times out of the gate, you're not going to be yeah. uh, uh, at the B plus level of of 85, which I always strive for. You know, that's oh, yeah. a solid good B plus. Wow, yeah, right? It's great. <laughs> it's better than a cr- than a, a giant truss falling down on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would take a B plus over that truss. That's why you guys were wearing your... helmets that hold for a session. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, that we was did, not a character. We choice. did joke about that. We did joke about that. Oh, <laughs> so glad we moved away from that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that, well, that's awesome. And, you know, and there are is a wealth of uh, resources out there, including your uh, YouTube series, which is awesome. I, I, I love that you're doing that. It really reminds me of, of people who try to, um, you know, there was that podcast startup that was about mm. starting up a, 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 a company for the first time. Yes. And it's like it was the whole premise of that was to kind of, lift the lid off and so people can see what it's like to to make something. And I love that you're doing that uh, for, for a lot of folks out there. That's a great resource. I take Thank a lot you. of inspiration from a, a YouTuber named, uh, it's, the channel's called Wintergarten, but it's this musician named Martin who's out in the south of France building a, a machine that's entirely run by marbles. And I think he's been working, he, I think he's, he intended to finish it in one year. I think it's been almost four. 
wow. that he's been working on this machine. And it has more parts than a car. It is incredibly insane. He's a, he's a, a wonderful musician. But looking at the scale of the project, something that he always says is, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Not that anyone should, but imagine an elephant-sized piece of chocolate. Right. And is how do you eat that giant piece of chocolate? Is you eat it one spoonful at a time. Mm-hmm. Is huh? I, I've I, that just like once he said that once, it just mm. totally fixed in my brain that if you encounter a problem that's absolutely impossible, like I don't have good enough microphones. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, well, then just take that and break it down and go, well, how do I get good enough microphones? How what's my first of all, what is good enough? Let's reduce that down further. Back to that, yeah. Yeah, don't compare. And, you know, because for some people, it's a $100 microphone. For some, it's a $300. For some, it's a $2,000 microphone. You know, how do I get, I don't have enough cameras. It's like, well, you know, take how many you got and then figure out your show from there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't have to have anything. Keep eating the elephant. Just keep eating the the chocolate-sized elephant. (laughs) The elephant-sized chocolate. Four years working on the same project, a musician, uh, you know, eat your heart out, Bo Burnham. Seriously. I recommend the channel is it's an inspiration. Yeah. It's it's really yeah. So he's also living in this in the same place. Yes. <laughs> right. In the world. Right. Yeah. Uh well, I loved uh as I said, I love playing with you uh when I visited that time in Brooklyn. Uh the world building around Carol Guardians and uh this world was interesting to me. I'd never seen or 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 had someone perform a mouse anthropomorphic mouse race, uh, yeah. quite the way you did, Timothy. Thank uh, you very much. So I love that. <laughs> uh, you know, so I mean, I'm sure there's people out there just want a little bit. Of, what's what's the premise of this world? What's it called? Why? Uh, what are some of the key defining characteristics? Yeah. So the world is called uh, Bentir, and the the basic premise of the world is that there's a few things that are a, a strong right turn from how most people have probably interfaced with, with D&D or um, other tabletop games is that um, this world has no gods, no devils, no demons, no heaven, no hell. Uh, afterlife is a real, uh, it's a rumor. It's a thing everyone's still trying to figure out if there is one, but of course, resurrection spells are happening. But mm. in that way, <laughs> that, making that decision, it's funny when I told you that back in Mox, back at like three years ago, yeah. is that uh, both you and Demetrius, who was with you, both looked at me with this like, well, how does that work? Because it immediately breaks like three classes. Yeah. Um, like, how, <laughs> yeah. what's a cleric then? Um, yeah. And so the shift is that uh, it's it's a lot more about multiplanar travel and observation. Um, I really like the idea of magic being um, at the highest level a lot more dangerous. So teleportation magic is a lot more dangerous in this world. Uh, plane shifting, all that is a lot more dangerous. And what I wanted to do is I wanted a world that really stepped away from uh, a way that I think a lot of people imagine whenever they're playing as a um, a race or a species is that they they get a little focused on some monoliths, um, you know, like an elf is an elf, um, mm-hmm. you know, an orc is an orc. And instead, this world is all about where you're from. And it's not about what you are. It's not about your class in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. It's about where you're from. It's a lot of regional stuff that's happening. Yeah. Um, which really a, highlights the geography of Ventura yeah. itself. Which so, is yeah, because part of it is I, I made a map um, for it, which has been <laughs> actually, um, I made my illustrator file is too big now, but <laughs> going back to the Google Drive. It seemed to be a theme here. You're, you're, yeah. you're yeah. creating things too big. Yeah. Scaling is a problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm printing my first poster of the world right now. I got to go pick it up later today, which I'm really excited about. Ooh, cool. Um, 
But the, yeah, so the, the way the world operates is that it's, um, I think when you play a lot of, um, uh, a lot of people, when they're used to fantasy, when it shows up in fiction, is that it's on the receding edge of a lot of these fantastical um, races, right? Of of elves and dwarves and um, how they're interacting with the world, you know, the elves diminishing into the West or the dwarves burrowing underground or being forgotten. And this world is not that at all. Um, it's very much a fact that a lot of these regions, a lot of these um, cultures and species, they're all pushing up. It's much of a thriving sort of boom that's happening in the world. Mm. And um, it's, it's really a, a place where I wanted to take the concept of, I, I wanted to shift it away from power fantasy a little bit, which I have no problem with. I love Halo. <laughs> you know, I love the idea of stepping into that superhero role. Yeah. And another key facet of the world is that it's very used to these singularly powerful individuals. And as a result, um, mm. as your character is progressing through the story, yes, you get more powerful, but you're not the only adventuring party. You're not the only set of mercenaries. And a lot of these regional and cultural powers, uh, they realize that they need a really big stick to deal with players that get out of line. And so that's kind of a thing that always follows the players is that, yeah, the monsters you're encountering are changing, but if you're going to try to take on a city state, it's not going to go well. There are consequences. (laughs) There are consequences. Nice. I can yeah. say that the hard way. I've learned that <laughs> playing in this world, there are consequences. Yeah, but it takes place on, um, so far it's taking place on one um, big landmass called Bintir. And um, the the world itself is is gigantic. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that um, I th- it's thousands of miles from north to south. So I really wanted to create that sense that if you wanted to get somewhere, it's taking time. You've got to be embedded in the world. You're not just jumping from cutscene to cutscene arriving. And so I wanted to have this sense that as your party moves throughout what they're doing, that time is taking place, that yeah. you're interfacing with your environment, that you're stopping at places to sleep. You got to think about how much it costs for you to travel, you know? And it's these little things that I think are good touches to allow yeah. people that really, I mean, it's the, style, it's the style that I like to play, which is that, you know, mm-hmm. you, you want to go to the market and haggle for money how much your food costs for, for dinner for night. And it gives you that sense of being in a, in a place, which I yeah. really enjoy. I and like that too. I have to say, Greg. Oh, I love, can, I, yeah. can I tell him? Yeah. Do you know what I'm about to say? I think so. I don't know if you do. Maybe not. I, <laughs> uh, that, that mouse creature. Yes. You are sorry. I couldn't hear what you said. How dare you? No, um, get out of here. <laughs> wow, she really wanted to know. Um, that mouse creature uh is going to be played by yours truly in novel chronicles. Yeah. The same character the, or a, the, same species. Same species. Same species. Yeah, they're yeah. called oh. they're called the squick. Yes. And so I will be playing a squick. Wow. They only have first names, no last names. Get right to the point. Yeah. Uh, are you going to uh, perform it in that high-pitched falsetto as well? Oh, yes. yes. You want to give a little sample? Oh, yes. Greg, don't get me started. I'm coming for you. I don't want to hear <laughs> it. A, a Brooklyn <laughs> accented, no less. It really puts it. It really puts a nice edge on it. Yeah. <laughs> what, you got a problem? All right. So, yeah, we... Uh, go for it. The world it. has... Uh, <laughs> has um, Elves, dwarves, and humans as playable. And then there's um, six other playable races, species, uh, but they're they're all unique to Bintir. And Squick is one of them. Squick is yeah. one of them. Yeah. Squick is one of them. Cool. Yeah. I, uh, I love everything uh, about what you just described. I mean, I think that mix of 
kind of a storytelling RPG game with a, I don't want to say simulationist, but just that idea that there mm-hmm. is consequences, that there's a, a system in place and you have to get from point A to point B. I think those mm-hmm. are my favorite types of, of D&D campaigns. It's what I, I like to run. It's what I like to play in. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, it's also just great seeing it, you know, dramatized uh, like this too. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll definitely play again IRL, Greg. With you. It's going to happen yeah, one of these days. Happen. Well, it's a, lot, it's a lot easier for you to fly to this studio. So That's true. Yes, yeah. not having to, to cross three time zones uh, no. to get back to the East Coast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we really moved to LA to be in your time zone. <laughs> I, figured, I figured that was why. That makes a lot of sense. That's why you're on the fridge, you know. So. It's, a, it's a Tito-centric worldview. It really so, is. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you I mean, uh, Danielle, you mentioned that you uh, are an actress as well. And I've been seeing all of your posts around the awesome short film uh, that you were the star of. What? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, Brooklyn Quarter produced this film. It's called Liza Anonymous. And uh, speaking of Chapman, the screenwriter went to Chapman with me. Nice. And uh, her name's Leah McKendrick, and she wrote the film for me, actually. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was. It was. I was really wanting kind of a meaty role I could sink my teeth into, and we ended up shooting it in November 2019. I was the executive producer. I raised all the funds, and I hired all the crew. I helped with casting, made it all happen, and starred in it. And then, you know, COVID hit a couple months later. So we did post-production all throughout 2020, just on, you know, Zoom calls and everything. And it worked out. And we started submitting to festivals. And we had our world premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival uh, wow. just in June. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. So, That's always fun having a project like that go all the way to completion and having been yes. able to show it to people. Absolutely. And we opened to a, um, because the Tribeca Film Festival sort of pivoted this this year. So mm-hmm. um, it was a 600 seat audience, completely sold out um, outside, outdoors on this gigantic screen right on the Hudson River. Oh, wow. And, right at Battery Park. Yeah, Battery Park. And oh my gosh, it was it was really, really amazing. And I think it's a big moment specifically for women filmmakers right now. So my whole core team um, was women and we're, we're going to be making Liza Anonymous into a feature film. So wow. it's happening. That's yeah. awesome. See, this is, this is where I, I tell people about yeah. the thing. <laughs> Instead of going like this, I go, it's happening. I'm going to tell you guys. Right? It's got to have a deadline, right? That was why my yeah. uh, short-lived theater company in, in New York City was called Deadline Theater Company because I was like, yes, I got to have name. something that's pushing me, whether it's an internal deadline, which is not as good, or an external yeah. one where you tell people. Like you yes. just did publicly. We all Thank know. You. Now we're going to all hold you to it. <gasps> Accountability. <laughs> That's a good thing. Salute. So, no, no, no. That was a salute and a sweat drop. I feel like you just like got like, you know, like a flush of sweat just came everywhere. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> what's, anyway, uh, I ca- so, uh, yeah. what's Liza Anonymous about? Like what's the, what's the quick yeah. slug line here? 
Yes. So it is about a lonely millennial named Liza who becomes addicted to support groups and she creates a different persona to fit into each group Mm. and her charade crumbles and she is forced to get to the root of her unique addiction and find her true identity. And so we really tell this succinct story in a 12 minute film and it was always made to be a concept short. So now that we have all, we, we had like critical acclaim. So it's been doing really well. People really like it. It's funny. I think people really want to laugh. Um, and then there are also a lot of themes of like isolation and yeah. and feeling like, you know, am, am I good enough? And especially after COVID and this last year of us all being isolated, I think that really resonated with people. And so it it is a feel-good story, but it does make you have pause. Um, and yeah, and so the whole team now is on board for the feature film and the log line will be a little different for that. Um, <laughs> but I'm still playing Liza, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great. But it's been a wild ride. And actually, I got booked on another film just from someone who saw me in Liza. Oh, that's so great. work begets work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's a, uh, important lesson for people in the, you know, in a, a TRBG show type of thing too, right? Where as soon as you, uh, get, you know, you don't even necessarily have critical acclaim or anything, but as soon as people just start to see you and your name out there, you know, and then all of yes. a sudden it, it becomes a, uh, you know, snowball effect. Of course. Well, yeah. also with the TTRPG community and also just doing like a tabletop web series in general, you're getting to do improv basically once a week. Yeah. You're getting, you know, and so keeping your skills sharp as a storyteller, a performer, a writer, um, it's just, it's so, I feel like it's so good for your brain cells too. Every yeah. time I would leave the Carol Guardians table, I'd be like, whoa, I just did a brain workout. Feels real good. Gonna yeah. go to sleep now. <laughs> now I'm gonna sleep, uh, or but, but alternately just keep thinking about new and fun roles <laughs> you're gonna play. Oh yeah. god, or dream about them, which one of our characters had nightmares about someone. So. I'm, I'm so sorry, Devin. Uh, Devin, we're <laughs> so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> flop oh, sweat, Devin. just Mo- flop sweat. Multiple nightmares. I'm very sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I can be very. I can be very descriptive. So yeah, it's bad. But anyway, I, well, I also so- think. I mean, the way you described the plot of of Liza Anonymous, I'm like, oh, well, I mean, playing a lot of different roles and creating personas. Hmm. I have to tell you that is, she asked me, she said, what do you, when she was pitching me ideas, she said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I've been playing D&D and I've been dungeon mastering and I've been playing different characters and I really like that. And she goes, I have this idea. And she pitched it to me right there. And then Mm. she wrote it and we... We started on the journey. But so actually, if I'm going to seamlessly weave in Dungeons and Dragons, allow me to do it here, you know? So it just, it actually did, it it was an inspired idea from that. Um, And I just think it's so fun that Brooklyn Quarter is a production company that produces tabletop web series and, you know, behind the scenes um, DIY shows and making the show. And also films that go to huge festivals, you know? So fantastic. Looking up and seeing the logo up on the screen at Tribeca, like, like leveled me. It's really cool. It's a dream. It's a dream. I mean, it's one of like the top, like five or six festivals internationally. Like it's just, it's huge. Yeah. It's a dream. Yeah. So, and we're still on the festival route. So we're um, excited for what's to come. And you know, with, with uh, COVID, as you mentioned, I mean, I think there's a lot of, 
you know, the bigger ones are, are staying there and smaller film festivals. So you're actually like, you know, it's a lot harder to get into that. And so it was very, uh, yeah. you know, I don't want to say lucky, but it was very like, uh, you know, a testament to the work that you guys did that it, it uh, was showcased there. Absolutely. And like, I think it's the, I think it was the comedy and the elements of isolation that Mm -hmm. really brought it together. And this central character of a somewhat unlikable female protagonist, which is really interesting to play with, but then, but then you like her, I think. But the, um, we did, I did the percentage. It was like 0.3% of films that submitted to Tribeca got in. Wow. Wow. And it was just like, okay, well, you know, this is the journey that this film is meant to go on. Like you just hands up, you just go, okay, like take me on the ride. I'm ready. Isn't that the equivalent of like rolling two D20s in a row to get a natural 20? Yeah, that's totally, that's totally the percentage. There's a statistician somewhere 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 right now. I mean, like, all I lose. know is that it's it's better than a B plus. I will yeah. say I mean, it is better. Than- <laughs> the statistician just lost their mind at what I just said. <laughs> no, they're like, but it is better than a B plus. No. But yeah. I would have so, been. I'm happy with a B plus. Kudos kind of to you, uh, and, you and to Brooklyn Quarter for putting that together. That's amazing. Uh, Thank you. And I, you know, I can't wait to see the feature film and and how that all develops. That that sounds really and cool. The other short. Oh, what? Oh, yeah, there is one other short that we're producing, and it's uh, it's untitled. It's untitled. That'll but probably be coming out. But it is the- it is about, yeah, this short film I'm writing, i'm I'm the writer, and i'll and I'll be the lead as well. And um, it's about a non-traditional family and mm-hmm. how they relate to UFOs and aliens. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just think you're gonna like it. It's gonna tug at the heartstrings. Damn, uh, you know, <laughs> I like I liked signs, but I'm gonna like this a lot. Better. Oh, you're gonna like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is, yeah, it's about the idea of you know um, being an alien immigrant um, and yeah. how how no one really should be an alien and and um, sisterly love and yeah, I think I think it's gonna be really lovely. It is. It's a very it's very different from Lies Anonymous, but the whole team is on board to make it again to Sweet. to do something again. So. Well, I love that the band you know, together. I don't think these two worlds are, are very separate, but I do like the idea that you're using uh, the skills and I mean amazing stuff that you've learned from producing Brooklyn Quarter and then yeah. the roles and the storytelling and how that's all bringing into your artwork uh, uh, as well as just you know this new show, uh, you know novel chronicles. Yeah, getting these new uh, talent from you know the area that you just moved to together to uh, make this awesomeness. Uh, it seems like everything is. Uh, I don't know. It seems like it's all coming together. Yeah. It is. It's. We hope. We hope for an A minus. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. I'm really be? going for that ninety. That ninety percent. <laughs> I want that excellence. I'm, we think I want to at least give an A minus. Yeah. But well, no, seriously. Report card hasn't come out yet, but when it does, okay, uh, we'll we'll see. Okay, What's the great. report card? I guess that's life. Is that at the end? end yeah, of I guess that's yeah. life. When you <laughs> no, get to the I- end IMDb? of life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, is that your score on IMDb? Yeah. We'll, we'll What's find your star out. meter based out of a ratio? <laughs> oh, of I know my star meter every week. Don't worry about it. <laughs> What's my star meter? <laughs> None of us are narcissists here. That's crazy. No. Whoa, we're fine. <laughs> well, so it's always- us. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to play again, uh, Timothy, uh, in your world. Uh, yes. And hey, actually, next time we meet up, maybe you should play and not uh, be slayed in the first round. Oh, that yes. would be great, actually. I'd really enjoy that. Yeah. Yes, 
Absolutely. Well, yeah. when uh, when all the quarantines lift and it's safe to to get together and do so again, uh, let's make it happen. Maybe we'll go let's back. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Yeah, we uh, actually might be up your way in a few months. Yeah. Ooh. So we'll let you know. Exciting. Very awesome. Uh, if people want to find out about. Brooklyn Quarter, or what you two are doing individually. Uh, I know we've plugged a couple of uh, of things and names here, but what's the you know how can people follow you? Get uh, all the updates. All right. Well, we're on our YouTube channel is youtubecom slash Quarter. Subscribe there, where you'll find our new show, Novel Chronicles, which is probably coming out in October. We're kind of varying it based on COVID stuff. Delta. Um, and also, that's where Making the Show is, which is uh, all about the journey of making a world-class tabletop web series. That's probably going to be the slug line of Novel Chronicles, <laughs> a world-class tabletop <laughs> web, web series. Um, we hope. And then also we have our social medias. Yeah, our social media. So um, check us out at Brooklyn Quarter on Twitter or Instagram. And also, if you wanted to follow along Liza Anonymous separately, it's Liza Anonymous Film and LizaAnonymousFilm.com and BrooklynQuarter.com. On there, you can join our Discord. You can find our Patreon. Yeah, come hang out. We'd love yeah. to like talk to people, meet yeah, people. Yeah, we'd absolutely love to talk and hang out. Yeah. Come fun. play Valheim. Yeah. Or come, oh, we have like an art space. We have like oh, we all have these fun space. tabs. We got a music space. So yeah, whatever, just, you're, nice. whatever you're working whatever on, whatever you want to share. We yeah. want to hear about it. So. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Well, go check yeah. it out. And uh, thanks again for coming on. And uh, I can't wait to see all the fun things. Thanks, yeah. Greg. Thank you, Thank you for having us. So great to check in with those two. Uh, I loved meeting them uh, back in the day when we were trying to get stuff together for a potential event in New York City around the Waterdeep campaign because, you know, hey, New York is the Waterdeep of uh, of our world. Um, but yeah, they're super creative and I love everything that they're doing and hopefully uh, you all listening to are just inspired to jump in as, as, as they were. I am. Shelly is. Yay, thumbs up from Shelly. Yep, good job. Good job. Sweet. If you want to find out everything about what's going on with D&D, including upcoming books like Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons and Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos and Critical Role, Call of the Nether Deep, as well as the amazing uh, Rules Expanded gift set, you should go to DungeonsandDragons.com right now and check it out. There is or, a lot of good stuff. I know, right? I just listened yes. that all off. I was like, man, there is so much great stuff. Wow. Um, in addition to that, I have to give a shout out to WizKids for the gargantuan Tiamat miniature. It is available now uh, at WizKids.com or dndmini.com. It's a honker. It, we, we, <laughs> we, talk, we talked about the Shardland dragon being a, 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 a chonky baby, uh, but this gargantuan <laughs> Tiamat is... Is heavier and bigger. the The wings are bigger than my entire face. Yep. Uh, it, well, one wing is bigger than my entire face. It is a wonder to behold and a great um, addition to your campaign if you are using some dragon, uh, evil dragon queen themed storylines. Or not? I mean, she could just pass by. <laughs> and one of the heads can just be like, yeah. "Hello, nice hey. to meet you." Hello. Just passing by. <laughs> Just passing through. Yeah. Um, you can find out all about that and more uh, at uh, our Twitter account for Dungeons Dragons, Wizards underscore DND. That's the same also on Instagram. Like the Facebook page. Download Dragon Plus to your phone to get some more information on the products that are to come, some interviews, some previews. There's free DD content and maps all available on that app. 
and uh, you should check it out if you haven't already. Sign up for our D&D newsletter to get hot D&D news mailed directly <laughs> into your inbox. I say hot because they are spewed out of the red dragon head of Tiamat. Yep. That's, that's just how the, the, the newsletter rolls. It's our internship. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Greg Tito and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. And what about you, Shelly Moo? I am Shelly Moo at, on Twitter and Instagram. So join me. The pink giant snail racing in mm-hmm. Wild Beyond the Witchlight is on yeah. in, uh, Twitter right now. So go yeah. say hi. Yes, and I do appreciate everybody who's who is telling calling out Shelly Moo from the Wild Beyond the Witchlight and saying that they placed their bets on her and she has failed nearly every time <laughs> to <laughs> win one race. So my apologies, um, but keep really trying. Up. Keep trying. <laughs> Please. Can't blame, you know, the dice are never wrong, right? Yeah, she just, honest. nobody has, has said yet that they have won on Shelly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did you put a curse? There's some no. fey curse on, on Shelly. That's what it is. But I really do appreciate that people are trying. I, She'll I get better. She maybe just needs some practice. Yeah, she needs to do some training. She also went through a very long COVID year and maybe has... <laughs> Is a feeling a little snug in that shell. <laughs> Not moving as quick as she used to. <laughs> Can I tell a quick funny story about when yeah. uh, we were going to meet up in West Seattle? Uh, and you were like, oh, I, I can. I'm going for a jog. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll see you, uh, you know, as you go by. And then I think you texted me and said, you can't. I'll be running too fast. <laughs> I'll be a blur going by. You won't be able to see. You can't see me. No way. I'm like the flash. <laughs> really, it was probably because I was like, oh, I guess I can't run by the park because God forbid Greg sees me in my tight workout clothes. <laughs> Narrator voice. You were not that fast when I saw you. <laughs> no. I, am a, I always say, I'm going out for a slow lumbering jog. <laughs> There is, lest there be any confusion that I'm actually like running. No, no, so, no. Someone else mentioned on Twitter too is like, the thing about running that I really love is that I hate it and I think about hating it the entire time that I'm running. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty much what, what I think rage, of Rage, well. run. Yeah. Speaking nice. of rage, uh, Drunky Two Shoes is fighting some doppelgangers underneath the garrulous grocer in the Sea Ward of Waterdeep. And she casts Fog Cloud, but instead of trying to get away from her attackers using the obscuring nature of the Fog Cloud, she decided to claw her most adjacent attacker for yep. one damage. Yep. Uh, they counterattacked and somehow rolled well enough to uh, get through the disadvantage and dealt some damage to Drunky. Uh, but it is now Samson's turn, and he draws his <gasps> longsword, and it is uh, My hero. polished and shining. Uh, it is quite an amazing weapon, uh, but he rolls a four on the die, and he's oh, not able to uh, attack the... Uh, or, or does not um, hit the doppelganger that was uh, to your right flank, but he does step in between the uh, you and kind of kind of he says, "Get behind me." Uh, and Daryl, in the meantime, uh, attempts to hide. Actually, he does not attack, but he hides. Dang it, Daryl! Um, and you see him kind of slink away um, now that Samson is kind of there, and and uh, you have lost sight of where your brother Daryl is uh, in the obscuring mist. 
What are you going to do? Okay, well, I guess I'm going to... Um, can I cast a firebolt from behind Samson? Yeah. I'll just kind of do a little reach around. Ah! Uh, it is still uh, going to be at disadvantage because they're in the obscuring mist if you're targeting the doppelgangers. I am, I am. Okay. Uh, I, I can only target one. Okay. So now I have disadvantage? Yep. Okay, well... I'm probably going to keep that roll of a two. Okay, seven. <laughs> Firebolt shoots through the mist, and you can kind of see it uh, take some of the fog cloud with it, you know, almost like a like a dart uh, mm. that's going through it, and it kind of uh, is a weird and beautiful effect, and then it hits a uh, shelving unit behind, and several uh -oh. of the... Um, kind of uh, foodstuffs that were on there, kind of nothing really gets on fire. Okay, but no. it will say it does say a flammable object hit by the spell ignites. Yes, uh, so I just rolled and I, 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 I swear oh. to God, I was like, I won't do it unless I get like a 19 or a 20. Uh, but I rolled a 19. Uh, and so, yes, the uh, impact uh, does ignite uh, some of the. Wood of the shelf, and so there's a little bit of a fire uh, starting uh, across the room. The halflings are all kind of chittering. They were already surprised by what was happening, but they all uh, cries of alarm start going up. I feel really bad. I'm sorry. You sorry. Feel sh shame as a minor action. I do. I feel hmm. like I should even take some damage. Same damage. <laughs> some psychic damage. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll pick it up next time. We'll see what the doppelgangers do. Um, and uh, see how your tactics can be successful here.